This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back like we always are for the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. If you're joining us on YouTube, hey guys, welcome in. I am glad you could join us. And if you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher, thank you guys for giving us a listen today. Brandon, we got a jam-packed show today. We're talking about a lot of good things going on in college basketball. Yeah, we absolutely are. Uh, you know, one of the things we're going to be talking about is the replacement for uh, Mark Gottfried, who is the, I think, uh, distant cousin of Gilbert Gottfried, the voice of Iago and Aladdin. And then we've got Gonzaga. We've got Gonzaga again. Can they make it? Can they make it to the final four? Still Can undefeated. they make it to the championship game? And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with teams that we think are going to be the most dangerous come tournament time. So we've got a lot of good stuff. There's always that one team. There's that one team come March that people are like, watch out for these guys because they're going to go ahead and make a run. And let's jump into the first topic. We're going to look at NC State. We're going to look at Mark Godfrey. Fired. He's not going to return after the season, but they're going to let him coach the remainder of this season and what do, you, what do you think about that? What I, do you think about that? I mean, I, I think that in a way that may not be bad because at least you get to be with the, your coach the rest of the way out. You don't have to do something in season. And it's so late. I say, so late I in say the if, season. I say if you're going to fire him, fire him. That's the way I believe. And the one thing that I absolutely love is did you see um, Coach Cal's remarks in his post game about Godfrey? No. When he was asked about it? He said, you know, he he actually said and looked at, I want to believe it was his agent or something, at the back of the press conference, and he goes, yeah, you know what? You better believe when I sign a contract, I'm putting a stipulation in my next contract that says, oh, if you want to fire me midseason, that's fine, but you're going to pay me 300 mil extra. That's what's going to happen. He goes, "I, I want all college coaches to now do that. Where in your next contract say it's fine, you can fire me mid season, but you got to give me three hundred million more dollars in order to fire me mid season. Three hundred, three or three, three. million. I would say three, three might be realistic. Three hundred. I mean, three hundred million take, more dollars. My I'll take goodness that. Gracious. You'll never get fired mid season. But <laughs> I, and he said in that press conference, he goes, "It absolutely stinks." That we have to think about this, that this has to be thought of, that someone has to think to put in their contract, you know what, you can fire me, but you got to pay me more. So that was one thing that I saw that I was like, you know what, he's kind of got a point where to me, it like, what's the justice of saying, we're going to fire you, but you can, you can coach out the rest of the season. If you're going to fire him, fire him or let him coach the rest of the season. And then when he's done, then give him the ax. What what made you think like firing him and then keeping him was a good idea? Yeah, I I I've never seen that. I don't think where you fire him and you let him know you're going to mm-hmm. be fired, but we've got some games left. We're going to let you just finish it out. No, no, I, I don't I don't think I like that either. I think if you're going to be fired, fire him, get rid of him. I I I I I, I maybe understand where they're at with it. You know, there's only a couple mm-hmm. games left. But then let him know at the end of the season. Yeah, I, just fire I, him I, at the end. That's definitely, I think, the route that I would have taken on it. But the one thing we got to get to is now that we know, like, we know he's not returning yeah. next season, we got to find a replacement for him. And, of course, me and you are not on the hiring committee. We're not going to be interviewing candidates. But, Brandon, I want you to give me who's the number one guy if you are on that hiring committee for NC State. Who are you looking at? Who are you hiring or 
trying to bring in as your next coach for the Wolfpack? You're absolutely going to hate me, but the one that I absolutely have to at least kick the tires on mm-hmm. is Fred Hoiberg. Okay. Why not? Okay. He's going to be fired from the Bulls. Probably. He's going to be fired from the Bulls, as everyone in the front office should be fired from the Bulls. But I think that for for that, it's because as much as way, way out there it may seem, mm-hmm. Fred Hoiberg is one hell of a college coach, and we saw that. We saw that within the Big 12 at Iowa State. He did an outstanding job. And I think that one of the things that he didn't do well was in the NBA. So I think that that would be an easy way to be able to coax him back to the college stage. And I think that that's where his heart really was. And I think going to the NBA, it was it was an opportunity that you can't pass up. You certainly can't. But, uh, you know, after... What's it been now? I feel like two, three years. Of, this is his second season in the NBA. And that that just have not gone well, and this one really has not gone well. I think if, if if he does indeed get fired or he parts ways with the Chicago Bulls, if I'm NC State, you have to go in mm-hmm. at least have a conversation with him. Because NC State, for being NC State, the lesser team in Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, you lose out. A lot of people probably to to North Carolina, well, and really the, the, the bigger brother. But but I think that one thing that this this past coach here that Mark Gottfried was able to do is he was still able to bring quality talent mm-hmm. to the team and quality enough talent to be able to knock off a Duke team this season. So I think that you absolutely have to be able to try and sell it in as many ways as you possibly can, that being one of the ways that, Fred, you come here, you will get players. You will get a a squad. And I think that that's why he's the number one guy to be able to look for just because of how well he did in college and just kind of the heights and the ce- the heights he could take the team to mm-hmm. and the ceiling that is way up there. Well, and I mean the thing with Fred Hoiberg that you got to look at is what has he done in college? Because I know this stint with the Bulls, it's not it, – let's say he does get fired or they do part ways at the end of this year. It doesn't look very pretty for Fred Hoiberg coming out of it, but – what he was able to do at Iowa State was he was there, what, five seasons? The first year, 12th in the Big 12. Ever since then, they finished in the top four in the standings at the end of the regular season. Two times they were the conference tournament champions. That was 13-14 and 14-15. And this is a guy who's in four of his five years there made a run in the tournament, once got knocked out in the first round, and that was his last year. The other two were two second-round exits and then a Sweet 16 exit. But I look at that Iowa State team. When he came in 2010-2011, the year before he came in, they were, let me see, 3-13, and 13, that's that season. The two seasons before that, they were 15-17, and 17, and 4 and 12 before he came in their last winning season in the conference I'm just looking in the conference was 2005 when they went 9 and 7 and were 19 and 12 overall that year that was the last time that Iowa State had a respectable team and from 06 to 2010 they didn't and I know his first year you're like well Ricky he went 500 it was still a bad year but boom, the guys he was able to bring in 2012, boom, they flipped the script 23 and 11, 12 and 6 in the conference. That's a complete 
change of pace from what you see. And if I if I am NC State and Fred Hoiberg's on the list, he wasn't on my list, but if he is, I look at that and go, that's what he can do. If he brings in his players, and to me, if I'm NC State, I'm f- trying to find that guy who can come in and get this team going right away because for me, maybe it's me because I live in the Midwest. I'm focused more on Big Ten, and that's the one conference I mainly focus on. Like, that's my number one. The one thing I think of is who's the last NC State coach that we all talk about? It's Jimmy V. It's Jimmy Valvano. That was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And how many coaches have you had since then? you got to find your answer. And Fred Hoiberg's a good name, but the name I look at, and this is a guy who I I can't wait until he gets his next step in the bigger echelon of the Power Five, it's Archie Miller, the younger brother to Sean Miller, who's in Arizona. I mean, he's at Dayton right now. Last year went, what, 25-8, and 14-4. This year he's 21-5 and five right now on this season. A 69% win percentage overall, a 65 win percentage in the Atlantic 10 Conference. I mean, the last three years has made the tournament and has, except for a first-round exit last year, they went to the second round, went to the Elite Eight in his um, 2013-2014 campaign. That's a coach I look at because Fred Hoiberg is going to be looked at by a lot of people. My Illinois fighting line, I should be one of them. Archie Miller is going to be looked at by people, but NC State could provide him with a, hey, this is kind of like it's the smaller side to the ACC right now because we're not one of the top dogs. You can turn us into one of the top dogs. And to me, that would be very enticing for Archie Miller. I think that that's a, a really good or point. enticing, that's what I meant I, to say. I, I think that that's a really good point. And I think that uh, with what you say about we want to be in the hands of somebody who's done it, who's been able to take a team and make them a good team, make them a contender, make them a team that is going to be fighting. And I, and mm-hmm. I think that a guy that could do that is uh, Chris Holtman, Butler. I mean, he's got a team that they're number two in the Big East right now. Uh, He's definitely been able to take that team and take them to the next level. This is a team that's extremely competitive in a a Big East that really continues to get more competitive, I think, by the year. Villanova is still that top team right now, but Butler is right behind them. I mean, Xavier's been there. Uh, Creighton has been there. I, I, I think that... You know, you, you you take a look at the teams that they're playing against, and they're playing well. They're twenty one and six right now uh, on the season. Uh, very very uh, good team this year. We'll see them in the tournament. I, I think that one thing with with Holtman is that he's 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 a guy who's been able to take. Um, you know, teams and, and, and make something out of them. He was able to rebuild the the Gardner Webb team from twenty ten to twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done an Absolutely great job at Butler in his third season. Now he's got some connections with with uh, North Carolina, and 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 that is not to say that he's ready to go anywhere, but he's a guy who could certainly take this team right now of NC State. And you mentioned before, what are they? Where's their identity? Do they really have an identity? Mm-hmm. They don't. They're one of those teams that's floundering right in the middle. They're never totally awful, but they're never good. They're just eh. You know, they'll be 16 and 17. They'll be 17 and 18. Is that awful? 
No. Is that good? But is no. that where you want to be? It's no. not where, but it's not where you exactly. It's not where you want to be. And I think that who you just mentioned, who I just mentioned, those are guys that can take a program like this right now, where NC State is that team that's in the middle, floundering without an identity, and take them to the next level. Where you know what you're going to show your fans, you're going to show your base that mm-hmm. you're making a move. You're making a move. You're doing something new. You're going to be aggressive, and you're going to bring a new life, breathe a new life into the program, and sometimes all you need is a change of face at head coach. And I know what I know. What NC State fans, if they haven't already, are going to say, but guys, Mark Godfrey had brought us to the tournament four years in a row before this. It was Sweet 16, second round, second round, and then the Sweet 16 last year. I mean, under it was um, Herb Snydek. Herb Snydek, we had the run from 0102 all the way until 0506 where we were in the NCAA tournament. But that's what this team has been. It ever since that 2000 season, it's been you make a run, there's five tournament appearances. Then how about Sydney Lowe? You didn't do too well under Sydney no. Lowe. Then Godfrey comes in, boom, hit the ground running. You go from 10th all the way up to 4th in the ACC. You get to four get to four national tournaments. Pardon me. This year has been the down year, and that's a different conversation for a different day. Of should he have been fired? This is really his first bad season with the Wolfpack. But a coach coming in, and the one coach, I mean, uh, Chris Hofferman is one of those ones where it's him and also or Holtman, him and Greg Marshall are the two names that I see. Marshall with Wichita State, and if not, if I'm them, I say no, I'm fine where I am, because those two guys, Marshall more than um, more than Holtman, is one of those things where they've got security. Butler's not going to fire Chris, and you've got Greg in Wichita State. He's not going to get fired by the by the Shakas anytime soon. So if this job were to roll up to their doorstep, if I'm either one of those two guys, I go, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. And one of the things that maybe, and this goes for a lot of other candidates, does that scare away head coaches? That So you're telling me this is a program that if I'm doing good, I'm fine. But that one bad season rolls around and I'm out of here. Is that how it's going to be? It can't be. It can't be that that that's absolutely not how it how it can be. I'd be thinking, and I but I think that too is this all has to happen when the athletic director and the entire search committee Mm -hmm. is talking with any of these coaches that they bring in. They have to be able to say, you know what, we are we are going to give you a four year deal or whatever it is, but also be able to let them know that you know what we understand that you're one. Maybe even year two might might take a little time, but we want to we want to give you confidence that we're giving you the keys. We want you to be around. We want you to stay here. We mm-hmm. want you to really become part of what we're trying to do here. And we can't do that without you. We need you here. We're not going to rush you or run you out of town after one year. We're going to give you. We're going to give you as many keys as we possibly can. But then once they give that coach 
said coach, whoever it may mm-hmm. be, the keys. That coach then has to run off and be able to open different doors with them. they got to be able to do that because if they don't do that, if they're not doing their job, if they're not doing as much as they can in recruiting, you are going to lose guys to better schools. Going to happen. You know that, though. As a coach coming in to this program, you know that. And schools you know, in your own conference. And you know where you need to go. You know where you need to go. You develop those relationships with feeder schools that will come to you. You be able to develop the talent. You just have to be a good coach. And I think that that's what they need to be able to do. They need to stop the mediocrity. I feel like that's a big word lately with things. you got to stop being mediocre. Teams need to stop being mediocre and allowing it to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one thing that NC State fans will be happy with if they bring in a guy who is going to be more than mediocre and a not allow for anything other than the best. I want to throw a name out there for you, and this all determines on what happens with the team that he's at right now. I'll ask you this. It's a two-part question. Number one, will Tom Crean be available for NC State to look at? And if he's available, if the Hoosiers say, we're going to move on, does NC State go after Tom Crean? Could he be a perfect fit for this job? Hmm. Will Tom Crean be available? I will say gut feeling is yes. Tom Crean has had a very nice run at Indiana, but I think they may be thinking it's time that we move on. Very rough 2016-17 year right now. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think that uh, you know it's no doubt that he is in hot water, and he knows that he feels it each and every day. But I think that w- that's answer number one, my opinion. Uh, answer number two, do they go after him? I think that you have to at least have a discussion about all of these opportunities. Tom Crean is not a bad coach. He's just a guy who has, I think, been worn out at Indiana, possibly. And that's why would I go and, and, and have a discussion and, and look into the possibility? Sure. Are there better options, in my opinion? Yes. But I don't think that that's one guy that you would just say, no, you got to look at all options. Mm -hmm. You got to look at all options. You can't just have, you know, plan A, plan plan B. You've got to have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, just in case, just in case. Well, and one of the things I also look at is to me with Tom Crean, it's one of those things where I do agree. I think he's not going to be at Indiana. I mean, especially after the game, just with kind of what's been going on with him and players this year. And there was the one game where he had to yell at him for showboating. He had the other game where he had to kind of go after his players in the press conference. And to me, it's one of those where if it's not this year, it's next year. The wheels are coming off that wagon and they're coming off quick. And the thing for me that kind of is the big question with Tom Green or Tom Crean is He's the polar opposite to Mark Gottfried. So it's one of those things are, are you going to look for a guy who's similar to Gottfried, or are you going to say, you know what, we want someone different, and that's why you go for a Tom Crean, because he is different. And I look at the recruiting class this year for NC State. Right now, for this year's recruiting class of 2017 basketball recruits, they have the 13th out of 14th recruiting class, but they only have one recruit right now, a three-star guy, the number two prospect in the state of New Hampshire, Thomas Allen. So that's it. That's all That's all they got, but that's with scholarships, how many do they have 
opening up. There could be more guys that leave for the draft, one and doneers that we don't know about. But to me, it's it's one of those things where with Tom Crean, are you going to go after him because he's the polar opposite to Godford? I think that ultimately when you come down to your final decision making on a coach, I, I think that being being able to recruit, how mm-hmm. are they in the recruiting business? Are they going to get good recruits? Do recruits want to come here? Do you have more people wanting to come here than than not? Are you having to pull teeth to try and get them? You know, what's the style? I think that that's the biggest thing, especially in college. That's that's how you build your program. That's how you either build your program or you hold back your program. It's it's all in the recruiting and it's all the style and the type of coach that that uh, you want to have doing that. And I, I think that uh, that's going to be the ultimate thing. If Tom Crean is that guy who mm-hmm. who meets, you know, kind of what you're looking for, then then you know, go after him. But if it's if it's more of a, you know, you know, um, uh, Chris Holtman, mm-hmm. or if it's you know more Archie of an Archie Miller. Miller, you know, whoever Fred Hoy, whoever it might be, throwing out that Hoyberg. I got again. to, I got to, man. <laughs> Come on, I, I love it, I love it. But but I I think that ultimately that's that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. I mean, do you not agree that that the ultimate it thing comes down to recruiting. Is, is recruiting and and your style and mm-hmm. it, and it depends on how the school and how the athletic director sees plus guys and wants play that for a style winner. exactly. Guys want to play for a winner. And I, I I think that you know the history of the coach and kind of what they do players talk mm-hmm. players talk and player know, players know other players on other teams yep. they they do it just, it's just simple and they will talk and they will say hey you know so and so coaches you know he's good he's really good or so and so coach he he said this mm-hmm. this did not happen so I, I that 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 kind of stuff happens all the time last thing i want to mention i want to throw out there before i kick it off to our viewers and listeners is the one thing that i'm reading here that actually helped my case for archie miller not only is he an alumni of NC State, his wife is an alumni of NC State. So if that ain't enough reason to go after a good coach like Archie Miller, I don't know what is. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below in the comment section what you guys think about the Godfrey firing. Was it right? Was it wrong? Where are you on that stance? And then who are you going after? If you are on the hiring committee for NC State, who are you going after? I want to know what you guys think down below. And Brandon, we're going to move on into our next topic. We're talking about the Gonzaga Bulldogs again. And the reason why we're talking about them is I know a little while ago we asked, can they make a tournament run? Or we kind of asked about, can they make a Final Four run? Because this team has been pretty good for quite a while this season. They're still undefeated right now. And I believe even after... The conference tournament, if they go undefeated the rest of the regular season and win their conference tournament, I believe they will enter the season, or enter the tournament, I should say, the national tournament, at 33-0. and And the one thing I find funny with that is SportsCenter had this thing, and I know me and Sean, when we were talking about it, Sean's like, well, Bob Knight had an undefeated team. The three teams that SportsCenter showed that had a similar record to that were... The Kentucky team that entered the tournament at 34-0. The Wichita State team that entered the tournament undefeated. And then an old UNLV running Rebels team that I believe entered that tournament at 34-0 as well. The thing I found funny about two of those four teams, it's either one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to go to the Final Four or they're going to lose in the second round. Because UNLV, Kentucky, they went to the Final Four those years 
Wichita State, they lost in the second round. So I'm going to just pose the question to you. Can this Gonzaga Bulldogs team win the national title this year? Ricky, I definitely think that they can. I definitely think that they can. Mm -hmm. And Ricky and I... We, we don't, don't agree always often. agree on everything. We don't agree often. But I think we are very much in agreement, not agreeance. We're in agreement. We're very much in agreement on this one. We definitely see this Gonzaga Bulldogs team as being that team that can do it. And, and, and the reason being is because, I mean, my gosh, this team just has so much talent. And, you know, I think that this is, this is a different team different Gonzaga team than we've ever seen before. You know, really interesting to note. Since 1999, mm -hmm. the Gonzaga Bulldogs have made the NCAA tournament every single season. And in 1999, the team made it to its first ever round of 32, Sweet 16, and Elite Eight. You know when they've been to the Final Four, Ricky? Yeah, never. They've Zero. never been to the Final Four, which then, of course, they've never been to the national championship game. And one one point that I really want to bring up. So, so, so many people will say that the Gonzaga Bulldogs, oh, they've got a they've got a great regular season record. Of course they do. Of course they've got a great regular season record. They play nobody. They play nobody. They get to the tournament, and they don't know what to do. They absolutely just fail. And a lot of people would say that. And a lot of people would not be completely wrong in saying that. But how about this? What kind of story did we have last year, Ricky? That, oh, Jay Wright's team is always, always good in the regular Second season. Exit. Second and round exit. man, do That's they suck. In the tournament. Ooh, I picked them to go to the Final Four, but and it was let one me of those tell things you, where I thought they'd lose second round. And let me tell you, <sighs> is that those people also were not wrong. Yeah, they ate their crow. They did. Those people were not wrong. Because crow guess what? good. Villanova was always like that. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those people that said... Oh, you are overrated. You are what overrated you thought you were. And absolutely shocked. And Villanova just shoved it mm -hmm. right down my throat and the throats of so many others. Because what were they able to do? Win it all. Well, and to me, the big thing, and I'm glad you mentioned that Villanova team. Because I want you guys to put a little bookmark right here. I'm going to get back. To that Villanova team later in this segment, but I want to touch on Gonzaga first. And the thing that the thing that I like most about this team is it is not a team like in this day and age, especially when we're talking about the draft. When we're talking about you know you've got the Lonzo Balls, the Markel Fultz, the Josh Jacksons, the Dennis Smiths. The Ben Simmons last year, the Brandon Ingrams, the Jabari Parkers, the Julia Locafors. What do we call those players, Brandon? There's a special word that me and you have debated in the pantheon of MVP history of these kinds of players when it comes to the NBA draft. What do we call these guys? The one and done? The one and dunners. And it, it, it seems like every team is like, you got to have good one and dunners. Look at Kentucky. Full of one and donners, always right there in the national championship. They're a good team. That's how Coach Cal works. 
He gets the one and dunners. He coaches them up really well. He pushes them to the NBA, and the new crop comes in. He's a farmer. He grows the crop. He sends the crop away. He gets the new crop. He grows it, sends it away, gets the new crop. That works for him. Gonzaga this year is not a one-and-done team. You have Nigel... You've got Nigel Williams-Goss, who some of you might not remember, but two years ago, he was on a Washington team, transferred over to Gonzaga, sat out last year. He's now their leading scorer. They also have also, Karnowski, just, who is an upper class. And the only reason I, 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 I want to interject here is because Mark Few has called him, this is uh, Nigel Williams-Goss, yep. the best NWG. leader that he's ever coached. That's mm-hmm. huge. And you also have Jordan Matthews, who's a senior. The main, the only freshman they have that's really contributing to a high level is Zach Collins. That's it. Out of their top four, Goss, Karnowski, Matthews, all upperclassmen. You have Zach Collins is the only freshman on that team. Oh, the number five guy in their scoring? Oh, just Jonathan Williams, another junior. And... The thing that I told you, I told you to bookmark when you brought up Villanova. I want to play a game with you. I want to play a game with you, and this is my big reason for why I think not can Gonzaga win, why they will win the 2017 NCAA National Championship. Would you mind playing a game, being on my game show for Absolutely. Today? Do we have okay. the music? No, we don't have it. We, well, we don't have that bummer. copyright. I that's mean, a bummer. We don't get the money for that. I mean, low-budget films here at MVP. But I want to play a little game with you, Brandon. Think back to last year. It's just one year. Okay. Um, the Villanova team that won the national title, who would you say was their number one player? Who was their number one player last year? Oh, what's his name? The white guy. Archie Diacono? Yes. Do you know what, what year in school he was? A junior? A senior. Oh. Upperclassman. Josh Hart. What year in school was he? A junior. Upper cl- This team led by upperclassmen at the top. That's year one. Let's go back two years. The Duke team that won the national championship. This is my exception to the rule, however, because the Duke team that beat Wisconsin, their main senior was Quinn Cook. He was their captain. So you got that one senior leader at the top. You also had Marshall Plumley, who was a pretty big part of that team. Although, let's be honest, the that Duke team had Quinn Cook and then Jaleel Okafor, Tyus Jones, Justin Wilson, and the, or Justice Winslow, and then Grayson Allen. So the, that Duke team is kind of like my, my exception to the rule. The outlier. But you look at the yes. Wisconsin team led by upperclassmen, led by Frank the Tank. You look at the next year, and this is where everything gets back to my point. UConn, that won the national championship, their most important players that year, Shabazz Napier, who was a senior, Niles Griffey, who was a senior, Ryan Boatwright, shout out to Aurora, Illinois, a junior, they were led by upperclassmen. Then let's go back even further. Let's go to the 2012 season, that Louisville team. The Louisville team. And I'm going to pull up the roster really quick. Their main players to me, and these are the ones that I think were the most important, 
You had Peyton, Sil- Peyton Siva, a senior. You had Luke Hancock, a redshirt junior. You had Georgie Diang, a junior. You had Russ Smith, a junior. You had the only two young guys they had were Kevin Ware, who broke his leg in the tournament, so he didn't really help him in the national championship besides be the great story. He was a sophomore. And then you had Montrez Harold, who was a freshman that year. Yet again, another team that was led by their upperclassmen. Kentucky, when they won it over Kansas, do I even do I even have to say who their leaders were? I mean, this was the team where they had sophomores and freshmen. So Kentucky and Duke were the only teams that had an underclassman squad go all the way. The UConn team that won it the first time before Shabazz Napier, who was their leading scorer that year? Oh, just a little guy called Kemba Walker, who was a junior that year. And then you also had, well, it was Kemba Walker who led the team as a junior, but I mean, Alex Oriaki was a sophomore. You had Roscoe Smith was a freshman. So they had the freshman underneath, but it was led by Kemba Walker, that main senior, kind of like Duke. Then you had Duke the year before. They beat Butler. I know that we're going a little bit into the pantheons here. Their main two guys, Kyle Singler, John Schleier, senior and junior in reverse order. There's my case in point right there. North Carolina, they beat Michigan State. And, oh, don't worry, guys, I'm going back 10 years, so we got a few more of these to go. I am really going to hammer in Long game. this nail Long game. for you to go. And it's not really become a game. It's really become Ricky just is going to try to handle his point. We had Danny Green, Tyler Hansbrough, Bob, well, Bobby Frazier didn't really play much, even though I wanted to say his name, Ty Lawson, Hansbrough Sr., Green a senior, Ty Lawson a senior, Wayne or Lawson, a junior, Wayne Ellington, a junior. That was a senior-led team that won the national championship. Then the Kansas team that beat Memphis. Memphis had a star who was a freshman, but he lost, so we're not going to say his name, Derrick Rose. But this team had— You said it. I know. I, I, I couldn't leave it alone. Brandon Rush, who was a senior. Mario Chalmers, who came up big in the national championship. He was a junior. These are teams that have that upperclassman leadership. Then you have Florida. I'm not even going to name Corey Brewer and Joakim Noah, the upperclassmen. Oh, wait, that's right. They won it back to back. So my point is, for the last 10 years, there have been, let's say, two or three, maybe three, but definitely two that have won the national championship with freshmen. The rest of those teams, 70, at least 70% of teams that have won the national championship have had senior leadership. That's what Gonzaga has. Boom. Case in point, they're going to win the national championship market. Put, it, put them in my final right now. Put the bracket up. Put them in my final. Don't care who they're playing. They're going all the way. Well, I, I have to say, you know, they're going all the you, way. You got to give Ricky Ricky props for for an outstanding presentation. Uh, <laughs> he certainly uh, was prepared on uh, who he was going to talk about. I think we've got to give him uh, the uh, scarlet letter A. Uh, but I, I I think that uh, Ricky makes a really good point. And another thing for another reason outside of just the senior leadership that Gonzaga has is the fact that not only do they have Williams Goss, but they've mm-hmm. got. 
Matthews on the outside. They've got Perkins on the outside. Matthews is shooting 39% from beyond the arc, Karnowski while Perkins is shooting 42% mm-hmm. from beyond the arc. You've got those three guys when you throw in Goss, and then you've got Collins, and you've got Karnowski, and you've got a 7-1 beast, and you have another 7 Footer. I mean, it's outstanding. And you know so, what's great about so, Karnowski? The best thing? It's from Poland. Shout out to my Polish brother over there. What do they feed them in Poland <laughs> that I don't boosts know. them to seven feet and 300 pounds? But it's outstanding. And the biggest thing, Ricky, the biggest thing outside of senior leadership, outside of mm-hmm. shooting, outside of ball handling, they defend they play defense. How can't you when you've got two skyscrapers down low? They play defense, Ricky, and they're shooting. That's outstanding. But to be able to defend as well as they can, that's the biggest thing. When when we talked about the Zags a couple weeks back, they were one of the best teams in points allowed. You're smiling. I am smiling. The reason why is Gonzaga's probably going to lose on Thursday. You want to know why? What do I usually do to teams? <laughs> I'm sorry, Gonzaga Nation. <laughs> you are giving them the kiss of death. I'm sorry. I, I just did it without doing it. I mean, I really think they're going to win, but go on. That's I, why I was smiling. I, but that's that's oh, I'm that's sorry. that's really what I'm I sorry. believe, though, is that you know, out of out of everything, the, these guys, they're. They've got a great coach. Mark Few is an outstanding mm-hmm. coach. I mean, you want to talk about we, – we, we, we just talked about it. We just talked about finding good coaches, finding a good fit. Mark Few has been an outstanding fit with Gonzaga. He has done an outstanding job. Gonzaga played well last season in the tournament, in the game that we saw. And they were an 11th and they, seed. And they lost to Syracuse mm-hmm. in a great them. game. Probably in a great them. game. Probably should have beat them they also down had, at they the also very had, end. They uh, also had who we called the Banshee in their cheerleading section. The one that uh, could scream really loud and it sounded like a Banshee. That's why we called her the Banshee. Um, and we were on the other side of Gonzaga's cheerleading squad too, which was really impressive. And it was it was an outstanding game. But I think that the reason the – reason why Gonzaga can totally do it is because I I think this year they I think this year they're ready and and and, and people could say Brandon what, what what about last year why weren't they ready last year why weren't they ready the year before that I think they're ready because they have the leadership they have the great coach mm-hmm. they have the players that are mentally ready mentally tough and you've got to be and I think that they've got that defense and they've shown it. They have shown it against teams already this season. And people want to say that that Gonzaga has not played anybody. Well, that's just not quite true. Gonzaga has definitely played some good teams this season. They've beat Florida. They've beat Iowa State, Washington, Tennessee, Arizona. And they've beat St. Mary's twice. Mm-hmm. The big team in their conference. They beat them twice, once by 23, once by 10 this last time. They have played some decent teams and beat them. That Florida team, that Florida team's good. That Arizona team is good. Iowa State, not what they were last season. 
Washington, Tennessee, you know, those are teams on the better end of the spectrum of teams that Gonzaga has played this year. I just, I think they can do it, Ricky. I think that they can do it. They've got the tools. They just need to use them the right way and execute. Well, and another thing I'm looking at, another reason why I was smiling is if uh, you looked up Joe Lenardi's bracketology, as of right now, on Monday night, guess who is the two seed in their side of the bracket? It's a team we've talked about maybe a week or two ago, and it's a team that I said, if you beat them in the tournament, you're winning the national championship. Um, Oregon. Oregon. That's the two seed. It's all lining up. If that happens, if Oregon's on their side and they play Oregon in the Elite Eight, because let's be honest, if Oregon's not a one, they will be a two. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If they play in the Elite Eight and if Gonzaga beats Oregon, I'm saying they will win the national championship because Oklahoma didn't win it. Wisconsin won it, or Wisconsin got there twice with beating them. Louisville won it all. So it's one of those things where, you know what? You could win it all. You could definitely win it all if you beat Oregon. That's your road to the Final Four. That's your road to the national championship if you are the if you are the Gonzaga Bulldogs. you got to hope Oregon's on your side. Well, really, on your side, really, because they'll be on your side of the bracket and they'll be on your side. But <laughs> you know what would be even better? And I just thought about this. What if they were on the other side of the bracket and it was Gonzaga, Oregon, and the national championship, and Gonzaga beat them for the national championship? <laughs> where it's basically like, well, if you beat Oregon, you're going to win the national championship. Well, duh, Ricky. Well, they played in the national championship. Well, there you go. But before we end this, before we go into tournament teams that we're going to talk about that people should fear, any last thoughts on this Gonzaga team that I have crowned the 2017 NCAA tournament champions? <laughs> they should. They should definitely uh, fear your kiss of death. Yes, but they I, should fear I, it very much. I, I, I ask I, the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> but I think that in everyone else that you pick, mm-hmm. I, I think that this team really is. Is they're an exciting team. They're again, they're nothing flashy because they're not going to play. In their schedule, they're not going to play Duke. They're not going to play North Carolina. They're not going to play those teams. But they are going to play enough teams to give themselves good competition. Not just Mm -hmm. competition, good competition. I named off those teams earlier. I think that this team is poised and they're ready for a great tournament run and very possibly a national championship title. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below. What do you guys think? Will Gonzaga win the championship this year? Can they win it? What do you think about me proclaiming that? That I said it right now. That's my bracket champion. What do they think, Ricky? That if they know what be, you do, they're not happy about it. That is going to be my tournament champion in the bracket when we do the bracket pool and get ready for that. I cannot wait to give out some great prizes with our tournament challenge. But let us know down below what you guys think. And, Brandon, we're going to move into our final topic here on the Primetime Podcast. And, We're looking at March Madness. We're going to take a look, and there was an article on ESPN where they asked coaches who were the most feared teams that they're looking at heading into the tournament. And just to give everyone a little bit of an insight, here's where some of the teams. The best team that most most coaches said they feared got 14 votes, the Mountaineers. Next were the Wildcats. 
We also had Oregon on that list, Kansas. Gonzaga got three votes. UCLA got two. Louisville won. Florida State won. The full article I'm going to put down below for you guys. But we're kind of going to talk about not necessarily this article, but for us, who are some teams coming in to the tournament that we think that teams should maybe fear because maybe they're on a hot streak or we think they're going to catch a run in the tournament? I'm going to throw it to you. Who's your first team that people should fear this March? Well, the first team that I'm going to bring up is a team that I, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to make it. I'm thinking they're going to be in the You're tournament. They make I, it. I, I think that they need to be able to have themselves a, a nice little run, a in, run in the conference tournament, and that's the Syracuse Orange. And the Syracuse Orange, a team at 17 and 10. Right now, I believe, or no, what are they? 16 and 12, 16 excuse and 12. me. 17 and 10. And 7. 17 and 10 was another team I was looking at, mm-hmm. but they're 16 and 12. And they have been one of those teams that has been up and down, up and down all season long. They beat Miami 70 to 55. They beat Virginia 66 62. They beat Florida State 87, 82 to 72. But then they lose to Wisconsin. Lose to North Carolina, lose to Louisville, close one to Louisville, Louisville, lose to Louisville. Those are games that, man, if they could win those, that'd be outstanding. But they're they're a team that you know for a while uh, they from February nineteenth to the eleventh they lost, and then they went on a nice little streak from the seventh from uh, February seventh to well, excuse me, uh, January twenty fourth to February seventh. I mean, it was it, it's. It's been an up and down season. They're on a and, slide and that's, right and now, that's, and that's what I'm trying to say is that they've they've been a team that has been up and down. And mm-hmm. yes, right now they're on a slide, but I still think three games with with Syracuse with how they can be mm-hmm. and with how they can be against the top teams and how mm-hmm. we saw them be last year in the tournament. We didn't never thought Syracuse was going to be a Final Four team. No, we didn't. No, no, we did not. I thought they'd lose to Gonzaga. And I just think that they're a team that once they get in the tournament. No matter where they're at, they're a team that I don't want to play them. I don't want to play them because they're a team that can get so hot and just go off. That's And that's my first team. Well, and I mean the thing that's going to help them, and for them, what really makes me think like, okay, what makes me believe that they'll be a scary team, they got to perform against Duke and Louisville. They're next to opponents. They got Duke, they got Louisville. Then, like you said, they got to make a run in the – conference tournament because like you said this has been a streaky kind of a Syracuse team and right now not doing good they've already lost to Louisville in that skid but it was only by four points and you lose it really Louisville and Georgia Tech well guess what you got to play those two teams again your last two games of the season so for me the jury's out for me when it comes to the Syracuse Orange of are they going to be a scary team only because that three-game skid doesn't scare me. One team I am going to throw out there that I think is going to be scary even though their last four games they're two and two, and that's Northwestern. I think this is a team that 20-7, and 9-5 right now in the Big Ten. I know they've lost to Maryland and they lost to Illinois recently. But this is a team where the scariest thing is a team that has never been to the tournament gets in, and they feel like they got nothing to lose. They're just playing on emotion. They're playing. And I know that some people are going to be like, "Well, if you're playing on emotion, you might 
that might be get out of hand when you're late in the game because you're playing of emotion. But I I think there's something about this Northwestern team and as uh is um who is it uh from SNL the SNL skit with Stephen A. It pains me to say that Northwestern is probably going to make a run in the tournament. Yeah, Ricky, I think you're right. And the, and the thing with Northwestern is the fact that this is a team that has never been there. So that's the scary part about it. No one knows how they're going to perform because they can't go, well, in 2016, this is how they were. In 2015, this is how they were. Not even no, there. No, the this, is, this is how they were. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. No, no heartbeat in the tournament. <laughs> nothing. So I think that that's the scariest part about it. They could come out, and they're going to be playing off a lot of emotion. And there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of energy, I think, for, for Northwestern. Or at least I would expect that there would be. And that could either go really, really well or tank. You know, it, it really could go well, either one of those ways. And, I mean, right now, as Joe Lenardi has, and this is the last thing I'll say before – we give out your next team is if I'm Northwestern, I'm a one and doneer right now, and that's what I believe because I believe you can beat Arkansas in your coin flip eight nine game. Yeah, but then you're playing North Carolina. Let, let's be honest, North Carolina is not going to lose to a 16 seed, and then Northwestern, yeah, they might be able to give the Tar Heels a run for their money, but I think the Tar Heels squeak by the Wildcats in the second round, and that's why I feel like to make their most damage, they have to get to at least the six seed. Avoid the one twoers. Until you get to the regional finals or that that regional of Sweet 16 Elite 8 territory. And then you could probably make a run. But you know what? They'll probably be an 8, maybe a 7 seed in the tournament. And might be a one and done But their team, because of that emotion, why have them as a team to fear? Give me your second one. Who's, a, who's another team that people should fear this March? The second team that I've got, it's the Florida Gators. And the reason I say the Florida chomping? Gators is are because... We are we chomping? We chomping at the bit. We're eating them up. <laughs> and that's what the Florida Gators could definitely mm-hmm. do come tournament time. And the reason I say that is because the, the, these guys have really played well. They're on an eight-game winning streak right now as we speak. They've been outstanding. Their final games, they've got South Carolina... At Kentucky, they've already beat Kentucky once. Excuse me, I take that back. They have kicked the snot out of Kentucky once, 88-66. to And then they play Arkansas, then they're on the road at Vandy. So I think this team can be very tough come tournament time. And they've played well. This is a team that way back weeks, weeks ago, two months ago, I was watching them play. I can't remember exactly who I was watching them play, but I'm I'm looking at them like, is this Florida team... How high is this team ranked? At the time, they weren't ranked all that high. But I'm like, these guys are going somewhere. They're going to be good. And gosh, the really the last time I remember the Florida, this Florida team, it's, it's the Joaquin Joaquin Noah. Noah days. The Corey Brewer. It's the Corey Brewer days. That's exactly, well, my, that's exactly wait, wait, what wait, I remember wait, this it, team from. Let's be honest. You're a Bulls fan. It's not just Corey Brewer. It's Corey Brewer. It's a Stacey King. You got to put a little Stacey King on it when you say Corey Brewer. Oh, sh- sure. As long as you don't have to Neil Funk it. <laughs> no, 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 no Neil Funk. Right. That's 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 what I do when Neil Funk talks. But, but this, anyways, this I, Florida team is they're catching it the right time. And they're on. Let's see their last loss. Vandy all the way. January 21st. And the thing you look at for teams to fear in March. How hot are they coming in? 
How hot are they coming in? And Florida's on a win streak. And their last twelve games are ten and two. That's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Their conference twelve and two. Non-conference ten and three. They're one and three versus the RPI top twenty-five. Five and five versus the top fifty. So you you get you you dip away from the top twenty-five and they start to get a little bit better then. Well, but the, again, they're also it, it just, a team that's it, been battle tested. They have Gonzaga, Duke. Florida State. And you got to take a look at the, the Gonzaga game. They lose by five. Mm-hmm. That was a tough game. Duke, they lose by 10. Florida State, five. South Carolina, four. Vandy, two. All their games, all their games that they've lost to the teams. Except for me in, in, the Duke in, in, in the top 50. Close, though. Mm-hmm. 10 points. That's not far. It's respectable. Very much. And I think that this team, for that reason, the way that they're coming in, Look out for them. There are I'll, three right now in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. I'll be there honest. There are three. I'll be honest. You picked it up a little bit. This team. This is a team that I could fear a little bit more than Syracuse right now, only because Syracuse is zero three in their last three. Whereas, I mean, this Florida, this Florida team. I almost said Florida State. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me, Gaines, Gainesville. But uh, this is a team that hasn't lost since January, since late January. But the reason I, the reason I, I want to just defend myself a little bit on the Syracuse because you call me out a little bit. I a get little that. Bit. That's a good. Little salt. As, as, a little, little salt on that as, one. As you should. Maybe you could pick it up. <laughs> maybe you could pick it up from a team that's never been there, huh? Little salt. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no. The reason I say Syracuse, you saw what they did in the tournament last mm-hmm. year. You have to imagine if they get there again that they can do some damage. And sometimes that's yep. all you need. You, you, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help that they're they're not playing well as of late. But all you need to do is get to the dance. And I'm probably going to take a step back. I'll be honest. I have a trifecta here. I have a common theme. I'll let you guys pick that theme out at the end of my three. But my next one. This is a team that after their, I mean, they get a big win on Thursday. They take a little bit of a step back on Sunday. That's the Michigan Wolverines. This is a team went into Wisconsin, much like Northwestern did, and they beat the Badgers. A big win over the Badgers. Northwestern did it on the road. Michigan did it at home. Then they go into Minnesota. They lose in overtime. However, their last three, this is kind of like that Syracuse team for me. Yeah, they lost their last one, but they got a big game against Purdue coming up on the 25th. They go into Evansville to play the Wildcats. And then if they could have a big tournament coming into the Big Ten and then into the national tournament, this Michigan Wolverine team, man, they could be uh, catching catching their steam or catching their trails at the right time in order to get hot coming into March. And for me, the thing that put them on this radar for me was that win against Wisconsin because I watched that game and I went, that's a tournament team. This is a team that if they play like this in March, watch out, buddy. Because they can go and they could win a few. They could steal a few. And again, Michigan, nothing flashy, but they've had some mm-hmm. big wins. And I could not believe, I could not believe that they were they were able to sneak a win away from in the Wisconsin? Badgers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Wisconsin, they were coming off of a game where they were getting a little uh, mad at Northwestern when Northwestern beat them on their home court. So, I mean, they came in, they lose to Northwestern, and then they lose to Michigan. Not a good time for uh, Badger fans right now. In the Big Ten, you got two big losses right there. Absolutely. Well, Northwestern, not a huge loss, but Michigan's a big loss. Yeah. Michigan's a big one. But, uh, yeah, this is a team that I think could catch a little bit of steam coming into March. Who's your last one? Give me your third. My last one. You look like you're going to make me laugh. My last one, my third and final team to watch out for come tournament time. Hit me with a Swanee. Is a team that has been 
up and down at times. Up and down. The season. And that's the. Who? <laughs> give, it, give it to me, Swanee. No, I, I got to stop. I, I almost said the Bluke Do Devils. The Bluke Do Devils. The Bluke Do. Just say Duke Blue Devils. Now I'm going to say the whole thing. And that team is the Duke Blue Devils. And and Ricky, the the reason the, I, the the reason I say that is because this team when they're when they're not doing so hot and people kind of start to write them off. When they're not doing so hot or when Grayson Allen's not doing so hot. Oh, Grayson Allen's not the only one. Luke Kennard <laughs> has has not been what Luke Kennard was last season. But when the and, attention gets put on one single guy, you know that guy, a little, little trip artist. But I, I think that Duke's been a team that's been hit by injuries. It's been hit by inconsistency. It's been hit by... Can't wear their own clothes in the locker room. It's been hit by a lot of things this year. Duke has not been great this season. But that's when they're the most dangerous in the tournament, when no one's talking about them. And then they get there, and they're 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 right now a three seed in, in bracketology. And... You've had three you big don't, wins. You don't want to play them. Uh-uh. You don't want to play them because their they are. But they've got a couple of big games coming up. They are in three of the four on the road. Yep. The first one at Syracuse. That's coming up on February 22nd. That's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Then they've got on the road at Miami. You. Then they're home for Florida State. Mm-hmm. And then they're on the road. They End things in North Carolina against the Tar Heels, and they do not have a guarantee to win any of these games. I truly believe that. Can I say one thing, and this is kind of bringing it full circle to our first subject today? Talk about the the completely opposite tracks for the Wolfpack and the Blue Devils. Blue Devils lose to NC State. Everyone's thinking, whoa, what's up with Duke? They're one and three in their last four. They're not looking so hot. They're what? If we go one and four, then we go what? Three and five in their last eight. They go off. They haven't lost since that game. And then you look at NC State. They're firing their head coach. They basically haven't won many games since that last game. So kind of I look at that and it's kind of one of those funny things where they took two opposite paths. But yeah, this Duke team. Exactly the same as that Florida team to me that you mentioned, where that that loss came around the same time, end of January. They have not lost since. And in that win streak, you went on the road at Notre Dame. You went on the road against Virginia, very stout defensive team. You get to win on the road last Wednesday, and then you beat North Carolina at home. This is a team that if they can win their last four, I think they can do some damage in the ACC. I think it's they win if they win their last four. We're saying Duke is fine, and Duke is beginning to be talked about again on Sports Center and in the national eye yet again. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, and I think that they're gonna have they're gonna have a, a tough road in these last four games. And, but if they win them, absolutely, you do not want to be playing Duke. And Luke Kennard has picked it up for Duke. He's been one of the players that has kind of picked up his game a little bit, but. The last team I want to talk about, and then and then can I pick what the theme is? Yes, you you <laughs> can you can help the fans play at home with what the theme is. My last team is the Purdue Boilermakers, and Brandon, what's what's been my theme? 
I feel like the theme is Big Ten teams. It's a Big Ten team. And this is a team that their last loss came January 29th, a three-point loss at Nebraska. Before that, it was a four-point loss at Iowa. Before that, an overtime loss where they lost by nine to Minnesota. You get you get in the trend here? Close losses. Very close. That overtime one, yeah. The, the nine, you pulled away in overtime, but just to get to overtime— that was a close game. And this Purdue team, the reason why they're my last one and not one of my first ones is this is a team where you're seeing them on highlights. They're 22-5. and five. They're 11-3. and three. Let's see where Joe Lenardi even has them right now in his bracket. He's got them as the fourth seed in the East right now. They would play Mammoth in their first game, the 13th seed. And the reason why I think they could make a run is mainly because of what happened a year ago. Do you remember what happened a year ago with that story? Do you remember what team they lost to and they who? busted brackets? Purdue. Purdue, yeah. Um, who did they lose to? I'm trying to remember the team. Do because, you want a hint? Because um, I picked Purdue. They should have won. They were winning. and then pfft. It's a little team um, that is based out of Arkansas. The capital of Arkansas. Go back to go back to grammar school. Tell me the capital of Arkansas. Little Rock. Yeah. Little Rock, yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. The I... Arkansas Little Rock Trojans beat them in that cha- in that tournament game by two. Do you think that Purdue team that's not sitting in their craw or the 2015 year? Where they got bounced in the first round? No, it a abs- one point. Lo- that was it a one point is. loss to Cincinnati. And if I'm not mistaken, that game against Cincinnati was the one where it was the tip-in at the—I believe that was it. It was the tip-in at the end of the game by the—no, that was not the one that I was thinking about. The Yeah, it was the tip-in by the Bearcats right at the end where they just whoop, dropped it in, and that was all. And Purdue lost in that one. Oh, what a game. That one was, but this is a team that is led by Swanigan. This is a team he shares a name like you has Swan in the name. Must be good. And Caleb Swanigan is a huge player for that team. I think this Purdue team is going to go on a run, and I feel like they are one of my favorites to win the Big Ten Conference tournament this year. And if they can do that, I think they carry that into March, and they continue to scare teams in the NCAA tournament. But before we wrap this up, before I ask them what they think, anything we missed with teams that people should fear come March? I do not think so. I mean, we may have missed something. We probably could have talked about a number of Mm -hmm. different teams, but outside of that, I think we're good. Well, this is where you guys come in. Tell us your one team. We got three. You guys get one. Tell us your one team that people should fear this upcoming March. Before we wrap up the entire podcast, Swanee, it is that time of the podcast where I – Dish it off to you for Swanee's final thoughts. And how fitting you said you can dish it off to me because what I'm about to say has nothing to do with anything that we've talked about today or ever. Food? Does that have to do it, with It food? has to do with food. Okay. So this weekend, what did I do this weekend? You I'll ate. let you in on a little bit of what I did this weekend. I went to my aunt's house in Oak Park, Illinois. What did we do? We cooked all day. So I'm, I'm uh, now... I'm now learning how to cook some really, really good meals, so, good so I'll, ha- I'll good have you, to guy. be able to, to cook for 
the MVP crew uh, one of these times. Move, and, o- move and, over Mark's Cuban and kitchen. We're going to Swanee's kitchen. And hopefully not kill him. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think, though, it was, it was a whole lot of fun. If you're ever downtown Chicago and you're looking for a, a fun little spot mm-hmm. to, I won't say little, it's huge, uh, <laughs> a, a fun spot to go downtown Chicago and you want to go eat, try some different things, get some different stuff, go to this place. It's called Italy. Italy. Not Italy. Italy. Eat. Eat Ali. And it is absolutely delicious. They've got they've got pasta. They've got wine. They've got cheese. They've got meat. They've got fish. They've got all this stuff. Absolutely delicious. Great spot. Make sure you try it out. It was a foodie weekend for me this weekend. A lot God, of fun. Food. It was it was a great time. Man, do I love food. But hey, as the uh fans of MVP, they've told me something that uh I quite couldn't get my mind around. Apparently, I love food, and everyone from MVP is going, Ricky, we know. We know you love that food. But I didn't know that. This you is, do? This is where you guys come in and let us know down below what you guys think about anything we talked about today. Also, follow us on Twitter at Ricky Widmer, at Young underscore Swan 19, at Most Valuable Pod for Most Valuable Podcast. Also, if you love the podcast, you want to help us out, other than hitting that like and subscribe button, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast just a little bit helps us out and for as low as one dollar you can get an exclusive patreon podcast each and every month i want to thank you guys for listening and watching it again and as always have a good day everybody thank you for listening to this mvp podcast follow us on twitter at most valuable pod for more great podcasts